The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Uh, Let me tell you about our sponsor. It is Brickhouse. If fake news was a uh, product, uh, then it would be a superfood because superfoods are not superfoods. If you look at the nutrition, you know, it'll have um, nutritional facts or supplement facts. There's no supplement in a superfood. You don't see that on a package of broccoli. You don't see that on real actual superfoods, beets. You know, it doesn't say supplements on that. That's when that means you have to add something to it. A real superfood is uh, is something like Field of Greens because they have nutrition facts and not supplements. This is real food. USDA organic fruits and vegetables complete with all the antioxidants. You can get it now 15% off of your order. Use BrickHouseGlen.com. Use the promo code Glen. 15% off your first order. BrickHouseGlen.com. Experience a better tomorrow today. Glenn Beck. Do you remember the scene in the uh, Terminator where the machine versus the human war starts with a, a gigantic thermonuclear fireball? I love that. That was great. Artificial intelligence is coming, whether we like it or not. And it's either going to be st- started with a giant fireball, you know, something terrified or <laughs> something terrifying or something completely awesome. I'm not sure which one. And it's not only me that doesn't know, it's the developers that don't know. Because AI is going to be, um, it's described as alien thinking. We have no idea how it's going to think. And if you want to know, read a little bit about how AI is learning how to play Go and is beating all of the the Go champions, which is one of the hardest games to play. Uh, It's beating all of the champions. And at first they thought that it was cheating. No, it just thinks completely differently. It's like an alien life form. Oh, and those are always great when they're really, really powerful. All we know is that there is currently an all-out race to see who the first is going to be to create AI. (sighs) That doesn't seem good. Now, looking at the possible threats of AI, you know, a catastrophic Terminator, I'll be back. I don't think that's Hollywood. I don't think that's going to be. However, in the very near future, an algorithm-controlled economic meltdown might ultimately take place, uh, you know, instead of the Terminator, it could be a thermonuclear explosion of money. Now, it's not sexy. It's not going to draw any action stars. But this rise of the machine could level our country and our world. And you saw a little bit of it yesterday. It could bring the entire world to its knees. The Dow yesterday took another hit, plunging nearly 800 points. Now, it's kind of funny when the market takes a beating. If you flip on the news, uh, what are you going to find? You look at the Internet, what do you find? You'll have an unlimited number of people saying, well, we're looking into what happened. We're not exactly sure what happened. I think it was interest rates, definitely interest rates. I believe it was the the Trump administration and what they're doing with China. Oh, no, I believe it's the money supply. Purchase power. Okay, okay, all right. Unicorns playing basketball. I got it. I got it. I got it. Nobody really knows, right? And most likely, it's a combination of things, including those damn unicorns. But here's what I want you to take. There is something coming. 
<gasps> Glenn Beck. Gloom and doom. No, 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 no. It's a recession. They happen. It's a cycle. Everything in life is a cycle. And we are way overdue for a recession. So it is coming, whether it's tomorrow or four years from now. The longer it waits, the deeper it will it will be. But we're already like two or three years beyond the point where we should have had a recession. Okay? This time when it comes, I think it's going to be bad. I'm not sure how it's going to come, when it's going to come, but it is going to come. But the artificial intelligence algorithms controlling the markets isn't, uh, you know, isn't going off of uh, looks and feels. It's not going off and saying, oh, this could be bad. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it's good. No, no. It's only crunching the numbers in a very cold and calculated way. It doesn't get emotional, you know, like the hero in the Terminator. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. You just had to kill it. Okay. This is just an algorithm that is reacting as it was programmed to do. And look what it's learned along the way. AI algorithms now control over 80% of the U.S. stock market. 80%. That means men and women are not really, you know, the ones that you always see after a day like yesterday, you're bound to click online or see in a news report one of those pictures of all of the guys on Wall Street, you know, down on the trading floor with the shocked faces, with their hand over their mouth like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Oh my gosh, I think I'm going to jump out of a window. You're going to see that. Okay, but those guys aren't really doing they're only doing 20 percent of what happened. Eighty percent is a machine. The vast majority of trades are not happening by men and women rapidly handing, you know, giving hand signals. Sell, sell, buy, buy, buy. It's not happening. It's all happening inside of a computer CPU. And this is what the machine saw yesterday. The algorithms have been programmed to look for certain triggers and then buy or sell accordingly. One thing they've learned to take action on is when the uh, odds of a potential recession materialize. Something called the yield curve inversion. When that happens, the algorithms see the odds of a reception uh, of a recession go up and they kick in to sell. Okay. That occurred yesterday. As short-term interest rates began trading above long-term interest rates, the 2-year and 5-year yields inverted which often happens in times of economic weakness or recession. The Dow lost 3% of its value because it did rebound a bit. And all of it happened based off of a small indicator that artificial intelligence algorithms diagnosed in milliseconds and begin reacting to. So everybody, all the humans still last night were like, I'm not sure what happened. Were the unicorns involved again? No. In milliseconds, the algorithm saw something. Never fear the machines. Fear the programming. Fear the goal. Because it will never miss the goal. You see, back in 1929, and every time we have a major sell-off, what happens? People get involved. And people are like, okay, we've... We've got to bolster the market. We've got to send a signal of feeling that it's going to be great. The algorithms don't care about your feelings. Now, what happens when a much larger event happens? 80% of our stock market fate is in the hands of 
of machine learning. And I think this is a good thing. You just need to be prepared for it. Uh, because I don't, you know, and it's going to be hard because, uh, you know, James Cameron uh, is not working on a script to show you how this one ends. It's Wednesday, December 5th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Since we started with the rise of the machines, I thought I would take you to a couple of other things. Remember, my theory is that uh, the dark parts of the world, like China, are going to uh, go right into 1984. In case you don't know, George Orwell wrote 1984. Um, it's really kind of a book based on, now this is, this is in contention, uh, but if you read it, you're like, yeah, it's pretty good. A uh, book came out in 1922 called We. And uh, it's it's kind of like Anthem, but it's but it's really more like 1984. And uh, and we is about a state that just takes over everything and uh, you will comply. So George Orwell in the 1930s wrote uh, 1984 about uh, a, a, a society that is the anti-America and could monitor absolutely everything. And so you dare not step out of line. Well, that's China and their social credit system. They're watching everything and you're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything based on your social scores. Uh, It's truly frightening. However, that's not coming here. There was another book that was written and this one by Huxley. And this one was called Brave New World. And back when I was in school, we used to have to read these things called books and uh, and we liked them because we didn't have any of those little fancy boxes that you could keep in your pocket and watch all those damn TV shows on them. So we would uh, read these books, and the debate has always been, is it going to be 1984 or Brave New World? You kids nowadays, you watch shows like, you know, that movie that everybody saw, I think, The Island. No, no, nobody saw that, Grandpa. Nobody saw that. Well, it's the same thing. It's got some of those youngins in that movie, half naked the whole time. The debate was... Is it going to be a utopia that is is that we're all just taking so many drugs and everything is presented in such a happy way through consumerism that we just all embrace it? And then before you know it, we're all trapped. Or is it going to be a hostile takeover of a state where they just build a prison and you know they're building a prison? Okay, well, that's what's happening in China. They're building a prison, and everybody in China knows they're building a prison. We all know they're building a prison. Why? Because they've just built 1,400 prisons. They built 1,400 concentration camps where as many as 2 million people have already been disappeared in the middle of the night. Okay, we don't have those. Of course not. We're doing everything for your protection. Brave new world. A brave new world. We are embracing it because it just makes sense, right? Let me give you two things. There was an announcement yesterday. This comes from MasterCard News. Yes, that credit card company is going to help you out. 
along with our friends at Microsoft. Now, this is a story completely unrelated to a story that just also came out that Microsoft has just said that they will give the United States government access to all of their new technology. Well, that's... How wonderfully American of them. Isn't that great? America is going to be able to have access to all uh, of Microsoft's programs. That is so patriotic. I Listen, I think I can hear a jet flying in formation across the stadium now. Oh, it chokes me up. It's so patriotic. Since when did Microsoft become so patriotic? Okay, anyway, a question to be answered later, and it definitely has nothing to do with this announcement. From MasterCard News, voting, driving, applying for a job, renting a home, getting married, boarding a plane. What do all these things have in common? Well, MasterCard knows you need to prove your identity. So in partnership with Microsoft, we are working to create a universally recognized digital identity. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, so I won't need any kind of ID. Of course, I never will need any ID when I go in to vote, because that's just racist. But if I ever need an ID, my credit card company and Microsoft dismiss the story about giving access to the government. Um, They're going to just create this digital ID for me, and they will know everything about everything. Oh, thank goodness. It's going to be so easy. Here, take another pill. It's going to be so easy. Thank you, MasterCard. Thank you, Bill Gates. That's fantastic. Now, if we could just have Common Core that makes absolutely no sense at all, but does monitor the retinal retinal, uh, scans of my children and is constantly watching their eyes so they can track their heartbeat and their blood pressure and see where they are really not interested and see where they might disagree with a teacher just so we can make that teacher a better teacher. Oh, and we can also categorize them so we know very young when we know exactly you should be a gymnast. Come, come, the state will take you to be a gymnast. I'm sure it's not going to work out that way. That's only evil China. This is a happy place. If this doesn't... If this doesn't appear to be the exact same social score system without the government involved and without anybody saying, oh, by the way, we're going to have a social score. This is the same system they're implementing in China with guns. We're doing it and saying, oh, my gosh, MasterCard, you've just made my life so easy. Thank you for that. Now, in a completely unrelated story out of the state of New York. There is a new bill being proposed in the State House of New York, but it's common sense gun control. It would require a firearm, a would-be firearm purchaser, to turn over three years of your social media history. Oh, well, that seems reasonable because 
we always do say, gee, if you just watched what they said online, you'd know they were a kook. A three-year review of social media profiles would give an easy profile of a person who is not suitable to hold or possess a firearm. This according to uh, a New York State senator and proposed legislation. Applicants to purchase a gun would be required to turn over their social media passwords uh, to accounts like Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram. And they would have to allow police to see a year's worth of all of their searches. A year's worth of searches on Google and Yahoo and Bing. Oh, they haven't gotten Jeeves yet. As well as anyone renewing their permit for a pistol, pistol would also be subject to this investigation. So every couple of years... You could have the government come in and say, we need to look at your social, turn over all your passwords. Now, I'm only bringing this up because I think it seems a little clunky. Why would I have to turn over all of my passwords when I could just partner with Google and they could tell everybody who I am? After all, Google is doing that in China. And why turn over my passwords why Why have any kind of investigative body looking into who I associate with and everything else when Microsoft and MasterCard will know where I've been, who I visited, how I spend my money? This doesn't sound like the Chinese thing at all. Go back to sleep, America. We're fine. Hey, I know. Let's talk about what Trump tweeted today. Because that's so much more important. Here's our sponsor, LifeLock. Biggest breach in uh, in history. Biggest breach. Major hotel chain has uh, announced a massive data breach. It, it only exposed about 500 million customers. So just, you know, almost twice the population of the United States. But that's all. That's all. Uh, they got the uh, hotel guest reservation database. It includes name, email addresses, payment information, passport numbers. <laughs> but unless you used a MasterCard, they don't know anything else. This isn't the first of its kind. Billions of records have been stolen through breaches in recent years. Many uh, included names, addresses, social security numbers, and a lot more. That's why you need LifeLock with Norton. LifeLock uses technology that... Only they have to detect and alert you to a wide range of identity threats. Now, Norton protects your devices against cyber threats like malware or Microsoft. <clears throat> Did I say that out loud? Of course, uh, no one can prevent all identity theft or cyber crime or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But no matter the season, LifeLock with Norton Security is the choice to help you look out for the threats that you're going to miss on your own. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK for an additional 15% off your first year. You need this. I'm sorry to say you have to have you have to have it. This is just a way of life now. Promo code back, you'll get an extra 15% at lifelock.com. But remember, um, you know, all these companies, they just they just want to do what's right. Okay? They're not deplatforming. Microsoft has deplatformed people. Okay, Microsoft. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. MasterCard has deplatformed people. To where, uh, what's his name, Robert Spencer, 
he's a guy who is a scholar on Islam, been, you know, a presidential advisor back in the 90s on Islam uh, and says, look, this is what the text says. And this is how it is interpreted in the Middle East. Well, that is just too shocking. How dare you? So he he writes books. He had a podcast. He was deplatformed. And then when he went out on his own, what happened? Well, then MasterCard said, you know what? We're not going to do it. We're not going to take any. If you do business, you buy a book uh, or uh, you're trying to use MasterCard on his site. We don't accept it. And so they deplatformed him. I will tell you right now, and I have to call my wife. I don't think we have any MasterCards, but go through your wallet. If you have a MasterCard, cut it today. Cut it today. They are already knee-deep in deplatforming and making decisions for you. This, this merger with, uh, with Microsoft, where they're going to just, well, have a national ID. Cut your card. MasterCard. Cut it. We welcome to the uh, program Mr. Pat Gray, who is uh, now heard on the Blaze TV blazetv.com if you'd like to subscribe you can hear him on radio for free on blaze radio uh, and you can subscribe to his podcast uh, and also watch him every day on blaze tv mm-hmm. uh, we've uh, we've we've kind of added a few people since i saw you last week uh pat yeah i noticed that added, uh, added mm-hmm. a few people I noticed that so we're really excited uh, and you can poke around and see what the new blaze tv is all about um there's just a few voices yet that we have that we haven't put together. I saw uh, Daily Wire with uh, Ben Shapiro and all the boys at the Daily Wire. They started their podcast the other day with "Welcome to the Daily Wire podcast," uh, the the only podcast now not owned by Glenn Beck. <laughs> uh, and I don't own I don't own this stuff. I'm not gobbling people up. I'm inviting people to come and merge with us. Uh, we have a great. Uh, we just have this great system to where you get, you know, you do your thing. We do our thing. We just stand together. So we're not killing each other and we're not killed by outside forces Uh, because I think trouble is really is coming. I'm going to talk a little bit about France here in just a few minutes and this global warming thing. There's something wrong. And let me ask you, Pat, why was global warming so huge in the early uh, zeros? Okay. And then after about 2008, it just kind of went away. And then 2010, 2012, nobody's talking about it. All of the wicked predictions of if we don't do something by this date in 2012, it's too late. And it all just dissipated and went away. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it is there's everybody is saying this is we are running out of time. This yeah. is the worst thing. Humanity, all humanity will be gone if we don't do something right now. Yeah, it's back and it's worse than it's ever been. Why? Um, I, I, because I, I think because they lost some momentum maybe after 2008 when there weren't as many frequent, more intense hurricanes and tornadoes and a lot of the predictions weren't coming through and there was the pause in the warming and maybe it was harder to sell. Mm. Try this on for size. You know how China is is building a cage right now for the Chinese people. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
for the Muslims, yeah, Christians, for every, everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole society. China is going to be a cage by 2020. Um, uh, this is the largest transfer of wealth ever in the history of mankind. Already, it's been happening, but even more so with global warming. It's just a giant transfer of wealth. Mm-hmm. And while there is wealth, transfer it and build the cage that the French people are now feeling. They're now feeling, look, the people who are being hurt are the little people, not the big guys. Big guys are fine. Mm-hmm. It's the little people. So take the money while there's money to be had. Build the cage under the global warming thing. I mean, yeah, I think I think global leadership is afraid of their own. They're afraid of their own people. Yeah, it's, it's possible. And, and I think that the global warming, the green is the new red. I mean, it's the communism of, mm-hmm. of this particular generation. Mm-hmm. And it's the way they're, they're getting communism done in a lot of different places. And they just said, the, the UN climate chief just said, we're going to have to completely transform our economies mm-hmm. and our societies mm-hmm. in order to stop the global warming mm-hmm. catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that? You're gonna, so you're going to transform the free market into what? Socialism, into what? communism? Yeah. The green technology mm-hmm. that's going to replace uh, the free market system. And look, the free market system has done more to help global warming than oh, any communist. Look at China. It's a mess. Yeah. And even even all of the solar panels that the government paid for, all those guys are out of business. The Volt, the Volt was set, setting people they're shutting on it fire. Down. Yeah, they're right. shutting it down next year. Yet Tesla... Even though Tesla was a bailout uh, or, you know, got government money, still it's it's a private idea, not not done by, um, you know, a giant corporation in bed with the global warming stuff. Mm-hmm. It was new technology that I think just what he did. He let all of those uh, plans out online. He more than paid for it by saying, I'm not taking any patent. Take it. Take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you look at the Tesla now, the Tesla, everybody says, oh, it's green, it's green, it's green. No, the new cars that are being built now, gasoline engine cars, have in the end less emissions than even a Tesla. Because you're still plugging it in and it's a coal fire plant. Right. And on top of it, the emissions that it takes to make those cars as compared to what we're now using to make a regular gasoline engine. Mm-hmm. It's actually worse for the economy. Yeah, not to mention the batteries and what happens with right. those afterwards. Right. It's their environmental disasters. Correct. And it's interesting to me, too. You, you mentioned the French. Uh, these people have been conditioned far more than America has to be accepting of things like a carbon tax. And look how they responded to it. When it actually came down the line and they were actually given a carbon tax, uh, they set the country on fire. They they rise up and start burning the place down to the ground because they don't want to pay a carbon tax. And this only makes Donald Trump smart, uh, uh, stronger. Oh, I think so. I mean, the, the comment he had yesterday was right. Oh, looks like the people of France agree with me more than you. Yep. He got out of the club. <laughs> yep. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, and then... Uh, the U.N. summit uh, is emitting. I mean, this just shows how these people don't even they don't even respect or believe their own nonsense. No, no. when when the climate uh, industry gets together and they start emitting more CO2 than eighty two hundred American homes combined in a year 
for this one week conference. And that doesn't include the thousands of people flying to get there. That just includes at the summit itself after they're already there. And how many of them have flown in on private jets? Uh, It's all All air travel. All of them. All All of them. them. So it's it's more it is more CO2 than 8,200 American homes give off in a year. And we're supposed to believe that you believe this is catastrophic. There's no way you act this way when you if it's catastrophic. No, when you say this is catastrophic, you set an example. You don't go to the beach. You don't go you do and, this on the Internet. You do right? it on the Internet. You you now have holographic virtual reality. You could go to Facebook yeah. and say, hey, I want virtual reality conferences yep. and everyone can plug in Facebook or Oculus or whoever. They would love that. Hey, the whole world can watch. You can all be there. It's going to be the first big global summit, but everyone is invited and you have to spend nothing. You're not catering events. You're not flying people in. Nope. You're not uh, doing hotels. You're not doing any of that. You're not, dri- you're not driving from the hotel to the conference. Right. right. You can do it in the comfort of your own office right now. You can watch it. You can participate. And if you really believed that we're on the verge of catastrophe, isn't that how you'd be acting? I, I would. If I really believe that the planet is on the brink of complete disaster, there's no way I'm doing a conference like this that burns that kind of CO2. No way. So, complete hypocrisy. It's 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 a total to me that that's the scam because they know better. They know that this is not so, where but, they but say wait, it is. So, but again, I go back to why. Why is this happening now? Because it, it, you can see how unpopular it is. Mm-hmm. You can, it doesn't take a uh, it doesn't take a genius to figure out if I start raising taxes and I start hurting the economy with with a plan like this, the people are going to rise up. So why, when you are already struggling as a Democratic Party or whatever uh, and all around the world, as you're already struggling, why is it that they continue to push forward with this money? Right. I mean, it's always money, isn't it? Money and power. Uh, but with a very going to be a, a, a climate billionaire very shortly. Correct. But there are those who are on the front lines, the politicians, the political parties all around the world that have to win elections. At some yeah. point, you've got to say, we're not going to win an election next time. So our money is being cut off. There's got to be there's 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 more to this because. Human just survival instincts for the politicians and the parties start mm-hmm. to kick in. No, you know what? No, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. Social Security. I want to cut your Social Security. GOP forever. No, I'm not talking about that. We're no, no, no. Your Social Security is safe. Why? Mm-hmm. Third rail. This is being shown as a third rail all around the world. You touch this in Europe, you're dead. They'll rise up against you. They'll set your country on fire because it doesn't work. The people don't want it. Brexit. You don't think the people are going to rise up? They voted. Get out. Get out of the EU. They're giving them two options. You can get out, but you're not really your own country. You can't do anything with anybody else. What? Or you can be like Sweden and Switzerland and you can trade with Mexico freely, but uh, not the United States, not even what hmm. you don't think the people of Europe 
uh, and of the UK when they see this, when they can't get out. Okay, you can get out of the EU, but you still have to take all the immigrants we tell you to. Excuse me? You don't think that they're going to rise up? These guys, the politicians, are either so brain dead and so so far away from the people, which is possible. But we are entering mm-hmm. a let them eat cake moment to where I don't think that was, you know, oh, piss on the poor, let them eat cake. There was so, first of all, she never said it. But if, if it was, what it meant was she was surrounded by cake. She was surrounded by food. They don't have any bread. Well, let them eat cake. There's plenty of cake. <laughs> right. That's how out mm. of touch and we're mm-hmm. back into that position. Thrilled to be here and uh, thrilled to have you listening to us. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, thank you so much for your, uh, your um, just lending an ear every day. We know you have lots and lots of choices and, uh, and very little time. And I, and I strive to make your time uh, well spent. So thank you very much for, for being with us today. Uh, I'm going to talk about a uh, something really, I think, important uh, that is happening now in Turkey. But you're seeing signs of it here in the United States. In fact, in Austin, um, you have the same thing happening. Uh, and it's it is concerning. And there are some things that there are some things that you can do that will protect you. But now is the time to protect yourself and to start to. um uh, position yourself for the future. Uh, the The next few years are going to be um, a little difficult, I think. And it's natural. And the whole world is going to be repositioned. I don't think we recognize our world. Now, I've said this to you in 2002, and I don't think people really believed me at all. I said, there's going to come a time when you won't recognize your country anymore. Now, if you happen to be old enough to remember what the country was like in 2002 tell me it's the same country it's not and we're just getting to a point now to where you really don't recognize it the things just don't work the way they used to they we just don't it's just completely different um i think the change is going to be even more impactful by 2030 you will not recognize your country you will not recognize the world i don't think you'll recognize the maps by 2030 uh and uh we need to prepare uh, so we can be a shelter for our families and for others and we can be calm and cool and collected and there is there are some things that are happening right now that are going to put a lot of americans behind the eight ball that you need to uh make sure you don't do and we'll give you some of those things. And the real significant of the French tax revolt, for the very first time, <laughs> I saw an article that was talking about the French, and it said, and it's not just France. It's spreading to Belgium and the Netherlands, uh, and it is the building of a European spring. <laughs> well, somebody knows their history. And I'm glad to have somebody join us on the European Spring, something from we've been talking about for a long time. 1848, European Spring, Communist Manifesto is is published. All the communists get together and say, we can change the world. And they sow uh, unrest throughout Europe. Uh, it didn't work, thank God. 
but it was it was to topple all of Europe and it it could have worked. And if you don't know history, it will work. The Arab Spring, when, when it, in the coming days, months and years, you are going to hear about the European Spring and people think, oh, that's named after the Arab Spring. No, the Arab Spring was named after the first European Spring, which was a communist uh, overthrow or an attempt to overthrow Europe. The last line in this article is what we see in Paris today might be the end of social democracy as we know it. What's taking place is for the battlefield of ideas and where we go from here. It's much bigger. And uh, this this show uh, is um, is dedicated to preparing you for what may be because. We have a good enough track record that I think maybe, you know, people might want to at least consider Beth. the options. Mercury. I want to tell you about Relief Factor. Now, for four years, Relief Factor has been kind of floating around this building and people have been taking it and people who have back pain and, you know, sports injuries and, you know, like me, the old war injury. Um, and uh, and I haven't taken it because honestly, and I'm being real straight with you, it's all natural. And I'm and I always think, oh, really? Oh, let's get some Chinese medicine in here. If I just had, you know, the crushed horn of a rhino, we'd be fine. Um, this is actually started by doctors and it reduces inflammation. And I'm here to tell you, I took it. Uh, about a year ago and they say just try it for two weeks if it doesn't work you know out 20 bucks if it does work you get your life back boy that is so true 70 percent of the people who start taking it for two weeks go back and order more just like i did because it does work it's relieffactor.com the natural way to relieve your pain relieffactor.com try it now glenn beck okay it's kind of de-escalated uh, uh, quickly. Michael Avenatti, lawyer of Stormy Daniels, announced that he is not going to run for president in 2020. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. That takes the number of Democrats planning to challenge Trump down to around 723, I think. In a statement, Avenatti said he would still run, but he's decided not to out of respect for his family's concerns. Like maybe he gets pissed and starts punching them. I'm, I'm not sure. He didn't list what their concerns was, but he did say, we will not prevail in 2020 without a fighter. I remain, I remain hopeful the party finds one, and I'm a fighter. You know, when you're, when you're accused of domestic abuse, you probably shouldn't go out on the fighting speech. Uh, now, if you're wondering who the most qualified person is to take the Democrats to success, well, we now know it's former Vice President Joe Biden. How do we know? Because Joel and Joe told us. He was he had a book stop in Montana and a 76 year old said, I'm I'm about two months away from that 2020 bid and I'm Lunchbox Joe, even though the kids nowadays like socialism, don't know what a lunchbox is. But we used to have them and I liked them. My grandpappy, he made a lunchbox out of sand, dirt and grass. And I had that my whole life until I went to Congress. Of course, they all worked in the coal mine. No, they didn't. He said, I'm definitely running, so get out your checkbooks. Why would I get out my checkbook? Biden admitted, I am a gaff machine, but my God, what a wonderful thing compared to a guy who can't tell the truth. Yeah, 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 but I think that's kind of you too, Joe. When Biden ran for president in 1987, he was pulling ahead of the Democratic 
uh, pack until, you know, he got a little snag of uh, not telling the truth. He got caught lifting entire sections of a speech by Neil Kinnock, uh, a British party, uh, a British Labour Party uh, candidate who ran against uh, Margaret Thatcher for prime minister. And, you know, it's not that he just lifted parts of the spe- lifted parts of the speech. He actually lifted and copied exact sections of this guy's speech where it talked about his relatives, you know, working in the coal mines over over in the uk and so he's like and my grandpappy was a coal miner no he really wasn't that was the guy in england and he really didn't seem to have a problem uh with any uh, uh with any of that so you know you might have a problem uh with a little bit of the truth now he probably would have gotten away with it and he thought he could because it's pre-internet uh but michael dukakis remember that fabulous leader Michael Dukakis uh, saw a tape of the speech and then put a side-by-side comparison video of Biden's plagiarizing and sent it to the New York Times. And even back then, in a newspaper, in a newspaper, the side-by-side video comparisons worked. This, as the reporters dug further in the story, they also find out, found out that he had lifted large portions of speeches by Robert Kennedy and Hubert Humphrey. So uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And that led Biden to say, oh, by the way, I did get an F in school in law school uh, because I had one of my of my final papers uh, and I uh, and I, I lifted five pages of one of my final papers. And so I got an F and then he was caught into more you know, lies about his academic credentials. And, you know, it's just kind of gone off the rails for there. But we'll just concentrate on that. He is. He is lunchbox Joe because that's really who he is. The most qual- <laughs> the most qualified person in the country to be president. It's Wednesday, December 5th. You're listening to the Glenbeck program. Mr. Andrew Wilkow is uh, joining us now. Uh, Andrew was uh, one of our founding uh, one of our founding talents at the Blaze uh, TV. I think Andrew, when you were there, it was GB TV, was it not? Yeah, well, I was a guest. Uh, I joined Real News after the name was changed to the Blaze, and then shortly after being a panelist on the Blaze, you guys elevated me uh, to to my own program, and I became part of the primetime lineup. So, yes, 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 I was part of the the original uh, circle of people. Yeah, because we had we had a setup for you uh, up in uh, New York and and uh, everything, and we're thrilled that you're back. You left. Uh, and joined uh, CRTV and been doing a bang up job on CRTV. And now you're back into the fold and something that is, you know, bigger and better. And I think uh, I think, you know, there was a story you will appreciate this, Andrew. There's a story, I think, in Vanity Fair about how Vox and all of these all these big media companies, Vice, all of these Internet companies, they just couldn't make a go of it. And they're all they're all shutting down because nobody will merge uh, and it's a lot tougher to do internet stuff than we thought. You think? Uh, and yeah, no, look, I I said this when you joined me yesterday that you know people thought you were crazy to leave a, a major you know national network with all of the bells and whistles and 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 resources. And I remember I said it to you then. I said it to you yesterday. I'll say it to you now. I thought you were crazy too, but I wanted to be part of it. I was like, this man is out of his mind, and whatever he's doing, that's where I'm going. <laughs> so anyway, so it's great to be in the family together. Let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, news. 
Um, a couple of things come to mind. Let's let's start with Joe Biden and uh, and the the elections that are coming in 2020. And I would I'd as much as I'd like to hear you talk about the Democrats, feel free if you want to. I would like to hear what your thoughts are on the GOP. If you're going to run on a record, you kind of have to have one. You and I toured this country together with Freedom Works, and we went we went to bat for Dr. Greg Brannon, Matt Bevin, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Mike Lee. You, you name it, we traversed the country for these these conservatives who believe in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, limited government, all that stuff that we talk about all the time. Every single GOP member ran on cutting taxes, cutting the budget, repealing Obamacare, securing the border. Then once they got power, they turned around to people like us and said, well, hold on, we have to be pragmatic. You're going to have to give us some time. And my first thought was the Democrats never do that to their base. They may order their response to demands of activists. You start with a takeover of health care and you end up at transgender bathrooms, but they get there. This Republican leadership delivered on nothing. Yes, they cut taxes. That was nice. Thank you for letting us keep but it wasn't, dollars in our pocket. Honestly, it wasn't it wasn't stunning. You know, and that's not Trump's fault. He would have signed anything. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't something where we could say, oh, my God, for the you know eight years of hard work, starting with the Tea Party, we've got this fundamental transformation of, of the tax code. We're going to have a flat tax and the states are going to pick up what they need to run what they want at the state level. We, we got we got some money in our pocket, but they spent more than the Democrats ever did. They didn't fund the border wall. Whether you agree with it or not, they all ran on it. They, they the Demo- the Democrats eventually will deliver on their promises for their base, whereas the Republicans tell us to sit down and be quiet until the next time they need our programs, our audiences, and the and the activists in the base of the party to deliver them victories. Imagine, Andrew, if um, Donald Trump weren't president, it was Hillary, uh, and the caravan came to our gate. They would have opened the borders, even though right now she is across the, you know, across the ocean and she's in Europe and she's like, oh, boy, that immigration thing. Boy, that that didn't work out well. That was probably a mistake. Probably. Yeah. Uh, And they would they're going to do the same thing if we don't get real lasting security and the GOP. They have a few more weeks to do it. They've now punted the they aren't going to. They're not going to. They aren't going to. You know, they're not going. They're not going to. They could. Why would they do something the lame duck they didn't they didn't do when they had, when the iron was hot? Why, what, what's their motivation at this point? I don't know to not be terrible human beings. <laughs> do you remember me sitting on set with you in Texas and you said to me something to the effect of talk me down from the ledge on Mitt Romney? And I said he's not a communist. That was all I could could give you. He's not the communist. Yeah, I know. And I had that. He had that as well. That was kind of where I was. You know what's (sighs) sad about about the migrant crisis is that and this is something that nobody talks about, especially in Democrat circles, that we sent for the last year available $297 million to Guatemala, $127 million to Honduras, and we're doing those packages almost annually. If you look up on USAID's website, it's actually a very good website for a government site. Not $297 million to veterans, not $297 million to failing school districts, not $297 million for our own infrastructure, beloved infrastructure, to these other countries. And we're being told they're fleeing poverty and violence. Well, the USAID website breaks down 
almost to the dollar, how much we spend on infrastructure, how much we spend on healthcare, education, civil society, governance, law enforcement. And I have not heard any credible voice in the Congress, Republican or Democrat, the president's mentioned it, but not in Congress, of, hey, why are we sending the money there if the people are coming here? If we've sent the money to comfort them, to better them, to improve their lot in life there, why are the people coming here? And my only conclusion is it's a win-win for these governments. We send them the money. They send us the people. They keep the money. Don't have to spend it on the people. They come here. We give them health care. We find them a job. We give them education. It's a win-win if you're the government of Honduras. I, I completely agree with you. And I would, if I were Donald Trump, and I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed that we haven't done this, I would cut off every dime. Look, I'll help you, but you are not to send your people here. Far as Mexico is concerned, they allowed that caravan to continue to go. They were breaking Mexican laws. They still are. Turn that caravan around. And I don't know why we haven't gotten tough and just said, okay, guys, we shouldn't be dealing with this. This is your problem. Mexico, you let them come through your country. Honduras, you don't get a dime from us. You're going to you're not going to stop people. We're cutting you off. But when we talk about the generosity of America, we can argue back and forth about foreign aid. But haven't we done what what is it that we haven't done for the people of these countries. This is this is so you know we can we can separate the European question about migration. We have been giving these countries these people that we see that are desperate that are following voices that are telling them and I, you know what's really sick Glenn I know you know this this is the worst epidemic of Alinsky cloward pivot whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. these poor people are just the there's the, the only person that benefits from community organizing is the organizer barack obama's got a 65 million dollar book deal and the south side of chicago is the south side of chicago these people are being used by people who are furthering their own political agenda and credibility and it's sick it is it is sickening to watch the images of women carrying children looking for a, a, an, an end to this and they're being led by people who know darn well this is not how you file an asylum claim this is not how you immigrate this is not how it's done they have to know these people are rotten and they're evil tell me your take quickly on on Mueller. what we found out yesterday about flynn and what next year looks like well for a guy that allegedly colluded with the russian government you know having calls with sergey kislyak as the incoming national security advisor over certain global sanctions if if that is the root of collusion with russia no jail time sounds pretty good for a guy who's such a rogue agent. And by the way, why aren't we looking at Claire McCaskill's uh, very tight relationship with Sergei Kislyak? If business in Russia, the Moscow Tower, is some, some smoke and fire of criminality, why aren't the Podestas, and by virtue of that Clinton, who took $500,000 to go speak to Putin's bank? Mm-hmm. Why is this? Look, if you want to have a sense of law and order and fairness and say, we have to make sure our political class is on the up and up. You can't say it's okay when they do it. You can't say that we're going to ignore the fact that Hillary Clinton was deleting emails. We're going to ignore the fact she was destroying devices and evidence. We're going to ignore the fact that people got their eyes on classified information like Anthony Weiner. And we're going to say, but, you know, somebody wanted to go to Trump Tower and meet with Don Jr. to lobby over the Majitsky Act. That's it. The, tr- the president, he has to be impeached. 
Yeah, it's um, and I think this is what uh, people are missing because they immediately you say that and people on the left will immediately jump to, oh, that's what about ism? No, it's really not, um, you know, but it is basic fairness, which I I thought the left was all about. You can't say I'm going to apply the law this time, but not last time or not the next time. It has to be blind. Justice must be blind. And I think that's all that the American people want is just can we just apply these things equally? And it, it's so it's so ironic to me that people are coming to our border who are fleeing chaos in their own uh, own countries. They say they're fleeing, fleeing it because they can't work, they can't have a job, and they have no chance because there is no equal justice system. And they're coming here. They're asking us to break the law, which would create what they had. And on top of it, we are allowing both sides, Democrats and Republicans, we are allowing our country to become a, 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 a kleptocracy where it's, it's just the thieves that are running it. I got something you're going to love, and it's going to scare you at the same time. I know you're a big fan of investigative journalism and documentary in, in journalism. Uh, this is a first for me, and we did this. We produced this before we even knew that there was going to be a coming together of the CRTV and Blaze Universe. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. If you have a second, yeah. let me do it. Let me t- t- take a break, and then I'll come back and you tell me about it because I, okay, I don't know okay, anything okay. about it. Hang on, Andrew Wilkow. Uh, now on Blaze TV, along with, I don't even know, 40 other people, um, there's just very few voices that aren't part of Blaze TV, and we invite those other voices who are out in the cold to come on in and join us. The weather here is fine. Now, let's, let's talk about um, the things that you can and cannot change. There are things that you, you, know, you can change, things that you uh, can put off. One of the things that you should not put off now is home security. Don't put this off. Protect yourself. Protect your home. Things are changing, and I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. With Simply Safe, you don't have to pay a middleman. You don't have to schedule a six-hour installation window. You don't have time for that. Simply Safe Home Security is yours, and it's gotten rid of all of the reasons not to get home security. And you can save a buttload of money, which I think is one of the reasons why people don't get home security. There are no contracts, no markups, no installation windows, nothing. This is the new way to protect your home. And it feels good to have professional quality home security with 24-hour professional monitoring for $14.99 a month. Home security, the simple way, the simply safe way. They're going to help you save hundreds of dollars this holiday. Just go to simplysafebeck.com right now. Simply Safe Beck. Get their holiday deal right now at simplysafebeck.com. The deal ends uh, soon. I imagine the next couple of weeks, if that. Simplysafebeck.com. I'm going to talk about the uh, funeral of George Bush here in just a minute. We're on with Andrew Wilkow, uh, who is now a member of uh, Blaze TV. We have merged with CRTV, in case you haven't heard. If you have a subscription to both, doesn't matter which one you cancel, but it's now half the cost. Uh, and we're thrilled to have uh, all of their talent and all of our talent getting together and, and forming one entity, the Blaze TV. Um, uh, Andrew, tell me, yeah. uh, tell me about this, this documentary that you did, Investigative Journalism. Yeah, it's a first for me. Um, We sent a camera crew down to the border, 
and we interviewed um, former law enforcement officials, many of whom we had to obscure. And what they will tell you, and this is what's really frightening, and it it starts at the border and it goes to small towns throughout the Midwest. The documentary series, two-parter called Cartel in the, Mid- in the Heartland, Cartel in the Heartland, shows how Hezbollah and Hamas have gotten into an unholy alliance hmm. with the human smuggling and drug cartels. The, the terrorist organizations have found the border so porous and profit to be made to be sent back for their activities in the Middle East and some even in the United States, that they've entered into this agreement where the terrorist organizations are teaching the cartels about explosives, weapons, providing weapons. They are, in, they are wholly involved now in the drug trade and the human smuggling trade at the border. And this is making its way to small towns where small town police departments with their budgets and limited resources are not able to keep up with the influx of gang activity. And you are going to be shocked when you hear some of these people. Think of it like this, Glenn, and your audience can really think about it like this. Try to imagine how drugs get into prisons. Try to imagine the kind of things that we know go on in the prison system under the watch of the, the, the guards, the warden, the, the state, what have you. Mm-hmm. Put that on steroids, that there are people on the border on our side as well that we think are the good guys that are making money by enabling this unholy alliance between Hamas, Hezbollah, mm. MS-13, Los Zetas, you name it. All right, they so, have found, yes. So I'm sorry to cut you off. I just have to go to the break. Um, uh, I understand. Cartel in the Heartland? Yes. Two-part series. First part airs tomorrow. Okay. On Blaze TV. Uh, Blaze TV, Cartland, uh, Cartel in the Heartland, and you can find that now uh, at uh, blazetv.com. First uh, episode airs tomorrow. Andrew, thank you very much. If I can get in advance, I'll watch it, and maybe we can have you on uh, as well later this week so I can can, uh, uh, comment on it. Cartel in the the Heartland on blazetv.com slash Beck. Sign up, use Beck Christmas, and you'll save 20 bucks on your year subscription. There's some really important things uh, that you have to be uh, prepared for. I want to talk to you about the economy and what is coming and what we're seeing all around the world in credit and um, and also uh, what we're seeing in France. Uh, we have uh, Jason Batrills with us. He's the um, uh, chief researcher for our program uh, and, uh, and really kind of follows uh, the events of the world in military intelligence and... Uh, kind of my guy to go to that just watches all of these things for me and i sent you something this morning uh jason about the collapse of uh of uh, social democracies around the world it's a heck of a statement right there it is (laughs) it is it is and i'm glad not to be the only one saying it now uh but uh this guy said that what we're what we're seeing now is uh what's coming is the european spring which I haven't heard anyone say except us. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Brexit earlier with Pat. And, um, I mean, really, like, talk about the collapse of democracy. If you, it, it, right now, they're basically saying that our democratic process doesn't mean squat if the elected officials that are already there don't agree with what the people think. That was a referendum that, you know, they could have, they didn't have to go to the people on that. They didn't have to go to the people on that, but they said, look, we're going to put it all in your hands. This is your, your decision. Do you want to leave the mm-hmm. EU or not? They overwhelmingly said yes. Or not overwhelmingly, but they, they the majority yes. of them said yes. And Elections have consequences unless you're in Europe or <laughs> and, in England. Right. 
And I, this in, is any other uh, government in Europe any different from that? I mean, they're setting a huge precedent right here that everyone else is now watching. But aren't we doing the same thing? Yeah. Border wall. Yeah. Border wall. Nothing. Just like what Will Cow was just talking about. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've, we've border, uh, taxes, Obamacare, mm-hmm. everything we voted our, our officials into on the GOP they side. They don't do it. Least. They don't do it. They don't do it. I'm sitting here watching uh, this uh, this funeral procession now as it's going away from the na- it's going to the national cathedral um and uh taking the body of george uh hw bush uh to the to the funeral from the capitol and it's uh you know when a president dies it is it's pretty remarkable it's very uh Somber. I've never seen George Bush look like this before. Have you? No, I don't think so. Well, no, actually, one one other time. One other time, and it was while he was sitting in the class in Florida, mm. right? Yep, exactly. He had the same face. He frowned, and he kind of bit his lip, and that's yep. the only other time. Yep. Is that what you were thinking? Exactly the same. Yeah. Um, he, I, I just, it pains me. And can you imagine how hard this process is on a family? Think about what you go through. Yeah, like my father-in-law just passed this summer. And like it was a couple of days and we were done with it. Not not even that. It was it was it was one day actually and it was over with and we were trying to move on after that. How many days now has this been going on? Multiple days, the family has to make multiple different, you know, uh, appearances. This has got to be awful to go through. Awful. I'm I'm interested to see as this funeral begins today, uh, I mean, I remember how horrible, the horrible things that Donald Trump said about the Bushes. Um, and uh, and I was I was shocked at some of them when he said these things in what was it, North or South Carolina. Um, and just uh, I mean, just bad. You watch. There will not be one reference, one double meaning, anything about President Trump. They would this watch the difference between the Bushes and the McCain's. Um, I found the McCain funeral sad, so sad. Why make why make your dad's funeral about somebody else? I personally and maybe this is bad. I would have had a hard time dealing with it as well as far as dealing with uh, President Trump. If they, if if, if that was my dad, that was my dad. Yeah, I would too. But I, I, I wouldn't make my funeral about that. <sighs> Agreed. It would. This, it would. This be. is why the bushes are liked. In the end, this yeah. is why the bushes are liked. Yeah, they're just class. They don't. They just don't roll in the mud. Yeah. I mean, genuine people. I, I loved President uh, Bush uh, W. George W. Uh, he was he was my commander in chief when I was in the mm-hmm. military. Uh, he was. Just a real, like actually, my first internship when I was in in, in college, uh, I was doing a political rally, and George W. was running for governor at the time. Mm. And he stopped and talked to me for like ten minutes, asked me about my internship. Um, mm. Just a crazy down to earth. Like he, he really, it didn't seem like politics. Uh, it didn't. It seemed He's like genuine. It's actually who he was. Mm-hmm. And I've never dealt with the rest of the family. I mm-hmm. think you have. Oh my gosh! Is it all kind of? Is that? Oh my gosh! How everyone? It is? all comes from Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. It was all Barbara. I mean, you want to talk about one person can't make a difference? Barbara Bush. 
I'm convinced she is the reason that family is who they are. I mean, look, George George H.W. grew up in a different time. He was World War II. You know, so it, it's it's that quality stock that is, you know, long since been gone. Um, but but Barbara was just different. And and George knew that George H.W. and and the Bush brothers. I know both Jeb and George. Uh, and they both have said that. I mean, the, the relationship they had with their parents and their mom is rare, especially nowadays. And mom was just. She, I hate to say it this way because she was an iron fist, but she wasn't an iron. She, she was a velvet fist. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just knew you don't cross these lines as a family. We don't do that as a family. And, you know, you look at all of the dysfunctional families around and how dysfunctional this family could be. They've been in this stuff forever, all of them. And uh, and they're just they're they're not. I think they have one wayward kid who doesn't have a wayward kid. (laughs) Uh, But it, it, it was I, I remember I, I got one of the first interviews, if not the first interview uh, of George H.W. Bush on the anniversary of 9-11. And it was about, I think, about a month before 9-11 and uh, the first year anniversary. And he talked about what it was like to have his son in office and uh, how his son dealt with it and how he was away and having to watch it all on TV and and wasn't there and wondering what his son was going to do. And it was it was fascinating. We should dig that up. He, he was he was a remarkable man. You did an interview with a real another remarkable man. Uh, it was a podcast of that that guy that's cataloging all the uh, veterans from World War Two, all their yeah. stories. Yeah, really, really good. But this reminds me of that. Like, well, that that that, that generation. generation. We're, we're did you losing? see Bob Dole yesterday? Oh, my gosh. I, I teared up on that. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! He's in case you haven't seen it, you should search for the video. Um, he he's wheeled up to the coffin, and uh, he's they take two guys to get him to stand up, and they hold him. And it, it reminded me a lot of what FDR went through because he couldn't, he had no power in his legs. Um, and so they stood him, and they they got him so he was stable, and then kind of let go a little bit of him, and he raised a hand in salute to world war two veterans, one saying goodbye to the other. Uh, and then they, they sat him back down in the wheelchair and he sat there for just a couple of minutes. And it was, uh, it was just, I don't know. It's a passing of an age. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, well, the only one that's left is Jimmy Carter. And I don't even know how old Jimmy Carter is, uh, but I don't think, was he raised in world war two? Did he fight in world war two? I think, this is this is it because remember after Jimmy Carter then it's it's Bill Clinton so all of the leadership that we have known uh, that fought in World War II it's out now we we have the '60s generation Bob Dole is uh, is another one of those they, there was just a story the other day about talking about how Bob Dole he he typically he, most of the time he doesn't have the strength to go out in public. 
But every once in a while, he'll have one of those days where it's just all there and he's got some energy. He still can't walk. He's got to be wheelchaired out. But um, when he does have those days, every time he gets wheeled out to the World War II Memorial uh, in Washington, D.C., he gets wheeled out, he goes there, and he sits there, and he talks to the veterans, and he talks to people. To this, to this, to this day, still does that. I mean, just, just amazing. And it's, and it's, it's more, that generation has so much more to teach us that we've, that, that I, I fear that we were just letting go. We lost it. Right. Like the, we lost it. You know, family the, values, Barbara Bush. I mean, you know, like, we're losing all of that. It's more than just the veterans. You know, when, uh, when we had the crash in 2008, I, I read an, a really fascinating take on it. And they said this came because all of those people who had lived through the depression, who could even just remember it, wasn't necessarily an adult, but could remember it. Um, they had grown up and then they got into Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and all these places. And they were always this steady hand that would always say to the room, whoa, 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 whoa. No, we're not doing that. Because the world can go insane, and when it does, it's collapse. But soon as those guys died, and there was no actual memory of what it looks like in collapse, they started doing all these CDOs and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, the world's just going to have to learn it again. It's also it's, it's another important lesson about millennials today. They never, they never, and after millennials and on, they, they didn't live through an era where there was a lot of communism, where there was a lot of socialist states. They haven't learned those lessons. Right. So and, now they're and how could to jump they? back into it. Right. How could they? Nobody's teaching those lessons. Uh, you know, everybody's telling them that those lessons are false. This is something conti- entirely new. But that's, <laughs> that's what they said in, you know, in 1919 and 1945. That's, <laughs> you know, 1956. That's what they said. No, this is different this time. No, it's not. It's exactly the same. By the way, uh, Jimmy Carter uh, did serve uh, in World War II. Navy? Is that right? Yep. He was in the uh, Navy. But he's the last of them. Uh, wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's the last of an, uh, of an era. And, uh, while I disagreed with George Bush's policies, both of them from time to time, there are, there are no, in my lifetime, Ronald Reagan and the Bushes stand apart from everyone else with integrity and honor and decency um, and never really losing their touch with the average man. They, they really never did. And I, I, and I'm not saying that they, they, you know, could understood the poverty or whatever. What I mean by that is you could hang out with these guys the average person could just be with them and you would never feel as though you were different. They never made anybody feel different. And you know this because if you ever hear anyone, and they rarely do, anyone talk about serving the presidents in the White House, every single person that I have met that's in a servant sort of role, a White House role that just comes and sees them come and go one after another, they all say the same thing, the Reagans and both Bushes. And in particular, and I know this goes against history, in particular, Barbara Bush and Nancy Reagan. 
to talk to you about car shield if you have a car that has 5,000 or 150,000 miles on it doesn't matter it's out of warranty does it ever seem like like the um the car manufacturers like okay look we're only gonna put a four-year warranty on this thing so four years one day i want it to go um you know, you 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 have to buy a sensor now, and it's a thousand dollars. And a lot of stuff you can't do by yourself, so you have to bring it in for a repair, and that can put a price on your 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 family's welfare. I mean, you know, you have to dish out a thousand dollars to get your car out of the shop. Who can afford that? I suggest you get extended vehicle protection from Car Shield. Now, I have this. Uh, I have a truck. It's I don't even know eight years old. And it's fine. I don't want anything, you know, I, I you know, I'm going to drive it till the doors fall off. But again, I brought it in and there was a five or six thousand, maybe seven thousand dollar repair. I don't know. It was, it was I'll say six and compromise. It was expensive. The reason why I don't know how much it was is because CarShield covered it. I brought it in for an oil change and they said, hey, this this is gone and we have to fix this. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. And they told me the price and I'm like, whoa, wait, have you called CarShield? And they said, yep, it's all covered. It's all, we just wanted to let you know. That's fantastic. They also have 24-7 roadside assistance, a rental car while yours is being fixed, and it's all free. Please, get car shield. Get yourself covered before you find yourself in need and going, how are we going to afford this, honey? 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. Use the promo code back now at carshield.com. Welcome to the program. Um, I talk to uh, talk to you here in the the next break about the uh, Saturday Night Live comedian and writer uh, Nimesh Patel, who uh, is Emmy nominated. He's a comedian, um, and he went to a college campus, and they were having stuff, and they shut him down and said he was a disgrace, and how dare you? I mean, it is getting crazy on the campuses now and i'm I'm glad to see the progressive comedians uh are seeing the world in which you know they helped create i don't know if they can help turn it around but you know some people are lauren chen is uh, uh, a woman you may have seen her before roaming millennial the roaming millennial um is uh she started as a youtuber and she had 20 million views on youtube and she's part of the blaze tv now and she is she's just r- remarkable and remarkably smart. I don't know what it is with these Canadians. She was uh, she, I think she was born in Hong Kong, then uh, went to Canada, now lives here. Uh, but all these Canadians that have the guts to stand up and say, hey, uh, freedom of speech. She's she's uh, somebody that you should meet if you don't know her. If you do know of her, you're going to love the next segment. The the roaming millennial. Lauren Chen, next. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with, and that is the news and why it matters. If you like this show, you're going to love the news and why it matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The news and why it matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast. Glenn Beck. Lauren Chen, she is the Roaming Millennial, a host of Roaming Millennial Uncensored. She is somebody that has about 20 million views on uh, YouTube. 
uh, hundreds of thousands of followers. Uh, she has also been on Fox News, The Daily Wire, Rebel Media, PragerU, The Rubin Report. She was born in Canada, raised in Hong Kong, still lives in Canada, and now is truly a very, uh, a, a very smart voice for freedom. And Lauren, I have to, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I have to start with this. What is it with Canada? All of the intellectuals are like bailing our ass out. Well, you know, it's funny because if you look at, I guess, conservative figures right now, a disproportionate amount of them are Canadian. So on the one hand, that's kind of cool. But on the other, I think it's like that right now because things have gotten so bad in Canada, just so off the rails that there's been like a reactionary movement. Um, I hope that the states doesn't get to that point. And so I'm so like, what is it? Well, because I've always thought Canada was off the rails. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and Americans, I, no, nothing about nothing against Canada. I love Canada. Fair I, grew, enough, up, fair I grew up about 40 miles. Away. I have good Canadian friends, you know, all that crap. Um, but I've always thought Canada was off the rails. Yeah. What is happening now that you think maybe Americans don't really understand? Right. So for the longest time in Canada, we've had that whole universal health care, socialized medicine yeah. thing. Um, but it's it's going even further than that now, because right now we have someone like Justin Trudeau in power and, you know, places like Ontario, they're actually legislating things like gender identity as protected for children. Right. Which means that if you're a parent and your daughter or son decides that, I don't know, they're omnigender or whatever the new trendy thing is these days, uh, you could potentially um, have your parental rights in danger for not recognizing that so and not to mention the the fact that now not only do we have this whole political correctness that has just infested our government but combine that with the refugee crisis that's going on in europe canada isn't sweden or germany right now Mm -hmm. by any means but again with someone like trudeau in power we're, we're seeing those same kinds of challenges that europe has been seeing is there anything about you growing up in hong kong that uh helps you see the world differently I think so. I mean, Hong Kong has an interesting history. If if you know about the uh, the, the British ruling it for a hundred years and then it going back to China, and it's funny because I I grew up in Hong Kong when it was currently a colonial power. I mean, between Hong Kong and Canada, it's kind of like I'm British adjacent, I mm-hmm. guess. Yes. <laughs> um, but since then, every time I go back, when you know the Chinese they took things over again, it's there's more and more an encroachment of freedoms that I think a lot of Hong Kong people took for granted, especially during the 90s, um, things like religious freedom, freedom of the press. And I think that for Canadians and Americans may not have ever been something that they need to be consciously aware of. But when you come from a background where there's actually political upheaval currently going on in a very big way, I think it just makes you a lot more cautious of government power. So what is it that you have to say that has connected with 20 million people? What is it that you think um, people are saying, yes, finally, somebody saying that. You know, I ask myself that uh, question a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, shocks me still, but uh, I think people, a lot of them, and what's interesting is that on YouTube, which is where I started off, my audience isn't entirely conservative. I have a lot of people on the left who are listening to me. That's good. Yeah, and I think I think it's great, and I get a lot of people saying, hey, I don't agree with you, but I appreciate your perspective, which is amazing, mm-hmm. and we need more people listening in on people they don't mm-hmm. agree with. But I think what people are interested in is the fact that I'm not trying to demonize anybody. I don't hate anybody. I don't think of myself as an unreasonable person. I'm just trying to call out what I see as unreasonableness in the world that is masquerading as civility, as tolerance, as acceptance, or whatever they're calling Mm-hmm. nowadays when it's it's really the opposite are you concerned at all about deplatforming? 
Uh, yeah, as someone who started off on YouTube, that's that's been something I, I can't remember not being concerned about, whether that's, you know, being flagged, demonetized, just kicked off the platform entirely. But hey, that's why I'm so thankful that conservative media platforms like like this exist because it's it's necessary. And I have people who are wanting to get started in commentary or writing ask me um, for some advice. And the number one thing I could tell them is that to not put your basket in any one platform because it could be taken away at any point, especially mm-hmm. if you're someone who says anything unpopular in mm-hmm. regard to gender, immigration, anything like that. That's the thing that, you know, the press and some people try to make this uh, merger between mm-hmm. uh, CRTV and, and the Blaze TV about, you know, about me or Mark or money or whatever. It's not. It's really, truly about just like-minded people all across the conservative spectrum coming together and saying, I don't, I, I want to be in a pack because if we don't, if we don't hang together, we'll hang separately. They'll just pick us off one by one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I think that's really important. Right. And what's, I I mean, I'm excited about this as someone who not only produces conservative media, but also watches a heck of a lot of it. I like the idea of having everything in one place. And I think if you're a subscriber, it's, it's kind of hard to say, Hey, I want this show and I want this show, but I only have this many dollars per month to buy like 30 different subscriptions. Um, But what's been interesting to me, like you've mentioned is that people are framing this as an echo chamber. And I think if you think that between like yourself, uh, Crowder, Gavin McInnes, that that's an echo chamber of everyone thinking the same thing. You just haven't been watching their You haven't. (laughs) You haven't. No, they just, they take everything that disagrees uh, that, you know, uh, you know, we should have open borders and, and America is a bad place. And they just anything outside of that, they just say it's all crazy. Yeah, all right wing extremists. Right. Yeah. And we have people who are, you know, raw, raw GOP kind mm-hmm. of, you know. And libertarians. And as then well. libertarians. Yeah. We have the entire spectrum. And and I I'm I'm hoping that. Uh, that we can be an example of all these different voices coming together. And when we have differences, just coming on each other's show and saying, hey, dude, I have a problem with this. Can you explain or help me? And we may still disagree, but we don't have to kill each other over it. Right. We don't have to call each other Nazis and racist, sexist. Right. Right. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what keeps you uh, up at night that you think if more people could just if they just be aware of this or if they could just, you know, thread the needle through this, what mm-hmm. is it? Well, when I was in college, I studied political science. And for the longest time, I thought everything revolved around policy. And it's funny because I was small government minded, but I was still in the mindset that of, oh, if government were this specific way, then society would be perfect. It happened hmm. that the way I thought government should be was small, limited and pro-freedom. But I was still very reliant on outside forces being able to dictate how good society is. Mm-hmm. The older that I've gotten, the more I've realized that policy is, of course, important. I will I will never say that it's not. But at the same time, I, as I get older, I, I think that if more people were to, I guess, check themselves, their own personal lives, um, and for me, that's very, very largely um, Christianity. If we were to be more engaged with that and how we behave with our family members, our friends, as strangers, all of these questions about politics, it's not that they wouldn't matter, but they would be a lot less important, right? I mean, if if people, for example, um, had healthy family lives, then the question of child poverty would be less important, right? Mm-hmm. If if people had um, 
I guess more opportunities because they embrace their own education and the value of hard work then things like welfare would be less, less of an issue not that mm-hmm. they wouldn't matter but we wouldn't be I guess it wouldn't be a make or break issue and so well if you don't self-regulate somebody has to do it for you right and, and Dennis Prager talks about this a lot where if you have small government you kind of need a big god right you need something to I guess motivate you something that you care about something you're passionate about otherwise it's just it's it's anarchy and I think Jordan Peterson, um, you know, he's he's not a Christian, but he's someone who is at least trying to talk about the need for self-improvement and the value of that. And people are responding to it in a big way. I think millennials get a bad name. I think they get a bad rap. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe they are all what everybody says. I, I haven't met them. <laughs> um, I have met some, but I've met those same people in my generation. Right. I mean, that's normal. Um Tell me who the millennial generation is, in your opinion. Um, in my opinion, we're, we're well-educated. Uh, you know, a, a lot of us have degrees. We're entrepreneurial, uh, which is something that's interesting because as much as we tend towards socialism, which absolutely m- millennials do, uh, we're also, I guess, more of a self-starting generation than previous generations. So it's not that we're that great, but through technology, we just yeah. have the greater means to do it. This is the thing I can't understand about millennials, because when I got into radio... Mm-hmm. It's been 45 years. I had to go to the FCC and take a test to be able to know how to operate a transmitter. Okay. I had to take a test. Then I had to go to a corporation, get a job. You know, there were very few jobs, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to do any of that stuff now. And you don't even have to go on radio. You can do it from your own home with your own stuff. You can be heard more than any other time. You want to be a band in my generation, you had to wait for the record scout to come to the bar that you right. were playing. You don't even need that anymore. How is it this generation who is more free to do things because of the Internet than any other generation ever in the history of mankind is still saying, oh, yeah, but I want more government? Well, I think it's kind of a paradox. We're so used to this freedom because we have so much freedom, whether that's, um, you know, racially in terms of gender. We're just a very free, very egalitarian generation. And I think that's almost made us complacent because we're so used to having things so great, so amazing. Not that there haven't been, I guess, economic, um, you know, recessions associated with our generation coming into the workforce, which there have have been. But we're so used to everything going our way that we almost can't imagine a way that it's not working out. So I think, you know, when someone my age looks at something like healthcare in the U.S., which, you know, what, as as much as liberals like to say Republicans or the right or whatever think the, the American healthcare system is currently great. I've never heard a single single person on the right say, yeah, this is we're good. This is how it should be. Um, but but in any case, they, they look at something like that and think, oh, well, this is kind of not working. So let's just go for full on socialism. Right. Why not? Because they don't they don't understand that. No, like things can get significantly worse. This is like if you think this is awful, you have not seen anything. That kills me because uh, it's almost like you've never traveled anywhere else right. before in your life. You know, when we look at our problems today, uh, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know, the number one cause of death, what, 120 years ago for women was fire. <laughs> <laughs> it would burn to death. I mean, that's a, we don't even have that. That's, I don't even think that's even on the top thousand ways to die for women today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people who complain about things like microaggressions or man spreading, all, all those things, like anytime I hear someone just mention those words, what what I think of is just privilege like definitely class privilege if you're if that's what you're worried about then i'm sorry you've had a pretty nice life and also it's just it's so 
I mean, this is a word that's been overused, but Eurocentric. Like if that's your problems, that's that's such a first world problem. And it's almost kind of it, it's a sign of how well we've come as a society, ironically, that now this is what we're concerned yeah, about. It really is. It yeah. shows how how fat we are. <laughs> yeah, really, it is. Sure. You have like, you know, you're so you're you don't have enough to do. You don't have to go out and and uh you know go find your own food build your own fire build your own house you know you know hitch the wagon with the horses to go into the town i mean you have so much time you're like you know what i was really offended by something that somebody said and i think i should put a group together and we should all we should start a hashtag group (laughs) oh my gosh um i want to talk to you a little bit about um uh namesh patal did you hear what he said uh, he's a Saturday Night Live uh, writer and comedian, and he was on college campus. Uh, I'll give this to you here in just a second. I'm going to take a break. I'll give you the story so you can uh, look it over because it's interesting what people were offended by. And I would love to hear your thoughts from sure. the roaming uh, millennial coming up in just a second. First, let me tell you, our sponsor this half hour is X Chair. X-Chair, the holidays are here, and X-Chair makes the perfect gift for anybody who is a hardworking employee or a spouse uh, or, you know, I'm just saying, you. You spend more time, uh, you know, if you're an office worker, you spend more time in your chair, in your office chair, than you do in bed at night. That's terrible, isn't it? Uh, X-Chair, they're also launching a brand new model for a limited time, only available for this audience. It's xchairbeck.com. The model is being introduced uh, to the world through you first. It actually came from ideas that they listen to people um, when they call and uh, came from an idea from uh, from this audience. So they started making it. X-Chair, it's called the X-Basic, has the same remarkable dynamic uh, variable lumbar support that makes X-Chair so special. Uh, really great, uh, comfortable foams, uh, foam uh, seat. It just doesn't have, I mean, literally, I think this chair can fly. I have the other one, and I think it can fly. It has so many adjustments on it. I don't even know. I don't even touch it. I, like, I, I don't know what any of this stuff does. Um, this one doesn't have all of those things, but has many of them. It's X chair. It has incredible comfort. Again, it makes a perfect Christmas gift. It's uh, the X chair, and you can find it now at 844-4X chair, 844-4X chair. If you use the promo code Beck, you're going to get a free foot rest. Uh, plus, I think it's it's always $100 off. It's xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com. Uh, welcome back to the uh, program. We're we're um, we're glad you joined us today. We're talking to the um, the roaming millennial who is. Uh, you went to USC. I did my freshman year at USC, and then I transferred to BYU. Wow, uh, that must have been culture shock. Yeah, and uh. like, that, that's the thing. Like, I'm not Mormon, but I got a you know scholarship and stuff, and I studied Arabic, and BYU has, I think, this one of the top Arabic programs in the world. But it was. It was definitely too much of a, a shock from my upbringing to be going to USC. Like, I mean, as it's a great school. That's saying something that yeah. it was too much of a shock. So you went to the Mormon school. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> as someone who grew up with like a conservative Chinese father, going to USC where people like, I mean, we would be in the the common area of our dorms and there'd be people doing actual cocaine. And it's like, that was, you know, I was 17 at the time, just like sheltered Asian upbringing. It's like, all right, I'm out. This is a good school, mm-hmm. but. Nah, yeah, not my thing. And when you were when you were USC, you were part of the Re- Young Republicans. And how many were there, like fourteen? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, about about that. Yeah, um, you know, one of not was, real popular. Yeah, one of my, whom was my roommate, who I made come just because. <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean that. I mean, they were such a big help, though. Just I guess in terms of morale and motivationally, that now if there's anything I can do to help the college Republicans, like I am there because mm-hmm. they they make a big difference in kids' lives. Just make you feel like you're not alone. Exactly, I would you're, you're one of fourteen. <laughs> yes, you're not entirely alone. Yeah. <laughs> they still surround us, and they'll kill us right. if they hear that we're meeting. But. Um, I, I have to find the exact quotes uh, from uh, Nimesh, uh, Nimesh, Nimesh, Nimesh. I can't even say it now. That's from the Saturday Night Live. Yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, from uh, from Saturday Night Live writer. Um, and I, I can't find him yet, so I, I'll hold off on that. Um, I want to talk to you about um, Islam because you did. Um, you took Arabic studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you speak Arabic or enough to read? Yeah, I did two years of Arabic in school. Um, I graduated a while ago, so that's gotten just progressively worse. Every every, yeah. uh, every month, I don't speak it, but yeah, I, I studied that. So, what is your what is your thought on, um, let's say, what's happening in in Europe uh, and what's happening in England, where right. they just kind of they're just ignoring that there's you know different kinds of people just like mm-hmm. they're different kinds of catholics and different kinds of mormons some of them are good some of them are bad right well i think when i look at europe it's funny because there are there are absolutely people out there who genuinely hate muslims because they're muslims i'm not going to say that yep. those people don't exist but in my opinion the people who say that you can just open your borders to anyone and that everyone will just as soon as they cross into europe become freedom loving and equality loving and okay with lgbt people um that's equally as ignorant like both mm-hmm. of these people do not understand what Islam is about. They don't understand the culture and history of these countries. Um, and I, in my opinion, they're both as dangerous. But why I focus more on the people who are uh, parading under the, I guess, mask of like tolerance, whatever, is that those people are the ones who are in power right now. And they have the ability to do a lot more harm than, than anyone who is genuinely Islamophobic. Because I think, I mean, we all agree that that's you shouldn't hate someone for mm-hmm. religion, right? Everybody. If you're a mainstream person, no. Um, but it's it's funny because the I guess the tolerant bigots, as I I like to think of them, they're the ones who are in power right now. So it's it's kind of dangerous, especially if you're someone who is worried about these things in those countries, because not only are they really changing the makeup of I guess of your of your states just by I guess means of demographically. Um, changing that but they're also kind of instituting these laws where you can't even talk about it look at look at england look right. at Eng- what's happening in england i i don't think england stands anymore no. i mean it's it's a shell of itself it's afraid of its own population right and uh and and i, I don't know how the media and the ruling class if you will over in europe and here in america are missing this it's not that people are bigots they're tired of being told that what they feel is wrong. And I know facts and feelings are different, but you can take your feelings that are coming from the facts and say, wait, 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 this is, they're not melting in. They're not wanting to be a part of us. And you know, the, the rapes and everything else, it's all going up because of this. And and nobody's paying attention to it. And that's how extremes rise. Because all you have to have is somebody says, I agree with you on that. So let's round them all up. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what worries me is the people that are using the Islam issue um, to take kind of to kind of seize power because they're the only ones that are listening to that. It's a problem. Like, it's one thing to 
you know, to uh, say I, I'm against open borders and I want, like, you know, Im- enforce immigration laws. But then you have groups like a Generation Identity. Right. Like those guys. And they're, like, actually occupying mosques and stuff. We uh, will continue. Can you stay? Yeah. We'll continue with Lauren Chen, the roaming millennial, here in just a second. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Lauren Chen is a political social commentary host of the CRTV, now Blaze TV show, Roaming Millennial Uncensored. Uh, she started in YouTube, 20 million uh, views, millions of followers all over the world. She's appeared on Fox, uh, The Daily Wire, Rebel Media, PragerU, The Rubin Report. Um, and uh, now we're thrilled to have her here on uh, this program and, and welcome. Thank you so much. Um, you live in Montreal, Canada. Yeah, uh, and very is, cold. It is very cold. It's not here. You should move to Texas. It's yeah, it's, it's significantly warmer here. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, and uh, a lot more freedom. Yeah. Um, so, Lauren, as we were we were talking um, uh, on the air, talking about uh, the unrest that is happening around the country, I don't think people that are conservatives. Uh, they don't know the significance of what a nationalist is over in Europe compared mm-hmm. to a nationalist here. Nationalist here is not bad. Nationalist over there, right. that's really bad. Um, they don't they don't understand the identitarian movement over here, where they just say, "Hey, look, I'm just I'm just proud of my my identity. I'm just proud of my heritage." That doesn't mean the same that it does here. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that there are very few conservatives that get that. And you're one of them that really does. Can you explain? For sure. So I guess, and all of this comes from the fact that, you know, if you're on YouTube, Twitter, you're going to get a lot of comments from a lot of different people. There's good and bad to that. But mm-hmm. I guess one of the upsides is that there are these movements that I think the mainstream media either, either ignores or just doesn't talk about correctly that I, I do get information about. Um, in terms of nationalism, I think, you know, Europe, it's coming out of World War II. So when they hear it, nationalism, they think Hitler, they think mm-hmm. Mussolini. Mm-hmm. Of course, huge, huge parts of their history. Um, so for them, the term nationalism, and I think the people who were attacking Trump when he called himself a nationalist, think about this. They're thinking about ethno-nationalism, right? They're thinking about some sort of racial identity, racial purity, nationalism tied to perhaps expansionism by military might. Mm-hmm. That's what that term means for them. I mean, in in the States and in Canada and even in, I guess, more broadly, political science research and papers, nationalism just means you put the nation first. You, your, I guess, main area of focus is the nation state, which I would hope that our heads of state would be concerned with the well-being of their states. I just did a deal uh, with ABC Television uh, yesterday. And, Congratulations. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, they just dwelt on this for a while. And I kept saying, but wait, if you understand the way an American conservative looks at nationalism, it means we're proud of our country right. and we have to take care of our own self first, because then if we're if we're whole, we can help others. Right. But if we're struggling and we're all on life, uh, lifeboat, uh, we, we none of us have a lifeboat and we're all using, you know, vests. You know, we can't help anybody. It's like on an airplane. You have to put your own, I guess, oxygen mask on first before you can help anybody else. Exactly. Right. And I think it's kind of frustrating because there's also that double standard with nationalism. If you're from a Western country and call yourself a nationalist, you're immediately a bigot, supremacist, whatever. But I I really doubt that, uh, you know, a lot of these, I don't know, 
leftist elites, if they were to hear someone who was, for example, from Palestine, call themselves a nationalist, that they would have the same reaction. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, you kind of know the difference. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just choosing well, to not enforce it. Isn't the difference socialism? Yeah, I, I mean, think so. if you have the government in charge of everything, then it kind of gets scary. Um, but if you're a nationalist and you want a very small government that's incapable of really oppressing anybody, who cares? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think our founders were proud of the country that they they built, but they didn't want to oppress anybody. And I don't want to impress, oppress anybody. Tell me what you think of. Um, well, before we leave this, talk to me about are you following at all what's happening in France with yes. the yellow jackets? Right. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think um, what we have is, I guess, a populist uprising a, a little bit there. And, you know, people are going to try to say, oh, this is left versus right. From what I've seen, there are some left wing policies they're upset about. And there are also some more right wing policies that they're upset about. I think the, I guess, main thread is that they are upset with their ruling class. They're feeling like they're not represented. And I think a lot of the people, especially like here, we have someone like uh, Ocasio-Cortez in power. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk about, you know, taxing and regulating the middle class to all heck um and that's all well and fine you can pay for your giant government but i think these people don't realize that at a certain point people will break and if we look at the rising cost of living in france and i mean even something like rising crime people will only stay quiet for so long right and i'm I'm not going to support anything violent absolutely not not going to support anything to do with vandalizing Mm -hmm. private property or hurting police Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think these people are just not feeling heard, which is unfortunate because they did just have an election not that long ago. But I think um, if nothing else, this will serve as sort of a hopefully wake up call for for the next time they're choosing their leaders. So it's not I, you know what? It's not. I mean, if I had a choice between a national socialist or the communist, which they did, or Macron, I would have voted for Macron, too. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I would have voted going. That's not the answer. Right. So that's the answer. I don't want these two, but that's not the answer. And because he gained power, the 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 um, the ruling class just thinks, oh, well, we can just keep doing the same stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because they're going to vote for who are they going to vote for? Eventually, they will vote for one of those two. Right. Because you're not responding to them at all. Right. And that's what's frustrating. And you see that even in American politics and Canadian politics is that the establishment they they're representing their constituents so poorly that it opens up um i guess more power and room for these fringe elements and it's like you know i can see maybe uh, your average everyday person seeing like well i'm i'm not on board with everything they say but at least they're addressing the issues i care about that's what happened in germany yeah that's exactly what happened in germany that's what happened with mussolini Mm -hmm. at least the trains run on time yeah that's also what's that's the danger with the identitarian movement, generation identity in Europe, because mm-hmm. the same exact thing. The people that wouldn't be on board with them, like saying, no, we, we don't agree with, you know, occupying a mosque, you know, right. or something like that, or flotillas to stop, you know, people and getting crazy. But they, they are at least listening to it. They are at least acknowledging that it's an issue. Right. So, OK, fine. And so we'll, nobody we'll else is saying the same movement. Right. And that, that's why I, I pity those people in Europe who are just rational and don't hate anybody, but just, you know, hey. We can't have open borders. We just can't. We can't for security. Uh, you know, we can't because we have these huge welfare states and it's draining us economically. We can't. So those people, they're by their establishment, they're called hateful, right? I mean, you know, in Germany, you can't criticize immigration on Facebook or else you're going to get the police knocking at your door. Um, and, and then their alternatives are, unfortunately, um, these identitarian groups who prowl on the Internet looking for people who are feeling disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. And it's just you need 
you need that common sense voice saying no. Like we, it, it's not either you're an ethno nationalist or open borders advocate. Mm-hmm. There's an in between ground, mm-hmm. a big in between ground. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about um, an in between ground that I don't like, um, and that is uh, Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. You know, Khashoggi was. I mean, it does not come as a surprise to me. I, I can't. The shock of our of our people in Washington, they were like, oh, my gosh. And then I saw they the video. <laughs> <laughs> they have two swords on their flag. Yeah. Yes, they do that. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah. My question is, what are you going to do about it? Right. I mean, I, I, if you don't if you don't hang with them uh, and I don't know exactly what that means or where I would draw the lines on that. But if you don't hang with him, you're going to empower Iran and they are much worse if you can say that. Right. And that's that's a really, I guess, hard thing to tread. And especially in the United States, I think any time you're talking about what do we do with like blank Middle Eastern power, people are afraid. Just please don't invade them. Like, right. right and I, I think right, we can right. say that, and yeah, that people would be aren't talking about that yes. right now. Right. Yes. Um, and when it comes to, I think, Iran and Saudi Arabia, both, I think what the United States can do immediately that really just concerned its own, I guess, domestic policies and what Canada can do as well is encourage energy independence. Right. Because let's not ignore the fact that a lot of reasons, a lot of the reason why even someone like Obama was so cuddly, cuddly with the Saudis and is because of the significant amount of oil these people have, right? And obviously, you know... But we, we don't need them now. Right. That, that, that's we really the thing. don't need them. We, we should empower ourselves because Canada is extremely energy rich. So is the United States. They, they don't need to be this huge economic powerhouse, especially not in our lives. Um, and I think in terms of, I guess, just actually being willing to condemn them, um, one of the few things politically that Canada did recently that I was actually proud of is that when we did say, hey, guys, you know, all of this like jailing of journalists, like, mm-hmm. felt like that's not that's not OK. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people hung Canada out to drive for that, which was disappointing. I mean, you there you can condemn a country's actions without going to invade them or mm-hmm. anything like that. We should and at least should. be able to stand for what, what we believe in. Correct. Correct. Now, the question is, this guy's trying to do massive reforms. We all know he makes Tony Soprano look like a, a Girl Scout um, or a Boy Scout, whichever Scout doesn't matter. He, <laughs> he would like choose. to join. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, you have this guy who is um, is really nasty. But how do you change the Middle East if you don't? Uh, if you if you don't want to invade, it's going to take a, an iron fist because all of their heroes, our hero in Judeo Christian world, is Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, a peacemaker that doesn't work over there. Mm-hmm. All of their heroes came with swords, so you have to have an iron fist. We know this is a mob family. Do we support him or do we not support him? Well, something, and this is what I studied at university, and this is one of the uncomfortable truths that most people who study the region acknowledge is that. The most stability that has been brought to the Middle East has been in the form of these, I guess, authoritarian strongmen, but who are secular, right? And it's it's funny because this the the U.S., Canada, Britain looking in, we're asking ourselves, where is the liberty loving, uh, freedom loving, peace loving uh, leader that we're all waiting for? And it's like, well, that's you're you're trying to impose these Western values on on them, even if there was this messianic figure for Middle Eastern politics. The people wouldn't support him because that's not what their average beliefs are. That's mm-hmm. not what the people want. You mm-hmm. can't give like 
say, hey, this is our American style government with our American style values. Embrace it now. Because that's not where the people are at. And we saw this with the Arab Spring. Everyone was cheering the fall of all these dictators, people like Gaddafi. But guess what? Then in came the Muslim Brotherhood. Mm -hmm. That was preferable to the people. So I think it's it's kind of unwise for us Westerners to say like how do we how do we bring in the uh, I I don't know the you don't right you you don't you, you can't you read more George Washington right stay out of everybody's business right and I think know? we can uh, I think economic development uh, historically has always shown signs of leading people toward yes. freedom yes. and in democracy so I think we can encourage that where, where we can uh, mm-hmm. you know without I guess just kind of trying to fund and build new governments. Yes. But I mean, saying like, oh, yeah, snap our fingers and then they'll all be wearing Uncle Sam costumes or just reading the cart. I don't think that's going to happen. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> Coming to Saudi Arabia, 4th of July. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Lauren Chen, host of uh, Roaming Millennial Uncensored, been on CRTV. It is now merged and it's now the Blaze TV, Roaming Millennial. Um, please check it out. Uh, you can find it at blazetv.com. That's blazetv.com. If you'd like to sign up, use the promo code BECKCHRISTMAS. You are going to save uh, $20 when you sign up for the year. It's a great value, great Christmas present. Blaze TV, do it now. Lauren, I hope to have you back. Thank you so sure, much. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Liberty Safe. Liberty Safe, the number one manufacturer in the world for safes. They have uh, sold more than 2 million safes. Uh, and they've done it for a reason. They are just really, really well built. They're built here in America. They lead the industry in technology and in innovation. They have um, this military style locking safe. And they also have heat expanding fire seals that are second to none, which with what we just went through in California, I might want to uh, take a look into that. The full-size safes also come with a, uh, a full lifetime warranty. It's Liberty Safe. It's an unbeatable product that you can count on and the things that matter most to you. So whether it's jewelry, cash, guns, whatever it is, you'll sleep well knowing that it's uh, well-protected in a Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com right now. LibertySafe.com. They have 12-month interest-free financing at LibertySafe.com. It is very rare that I meet somebody of uh, Lauren's age uh, that is as well-read and uh, well-rounded and smart as she is. Big time. Uh, She is a future leader. She is a real leader um, of of thought. Uh, And it is so exciting to see uh, these millennials. They're just, they're so far ahead of where I was when I was their age. My gosh, I, I mean, I feel like I was in diapers and picking my nose at 30. I've been telling my kids now, I was like, get focused now, because the age is getting younger and younger. My daughter's it 16. Is. I'm like, get focused now. That's what I tell my son, too. And you know what's weird? Is this the way it used to be? Before we had, you know, school the way it is now, you were considered, you know, go ahead, go out and do something when you were 16. You know, George Washington was was surveying land for money at 14 (laughs) alone without a gun in Indian territory. He didn't mind. He was like, you know, can you imagine? Hey, mom and dad, uh, I know I'm only 14, but I'm going to go over here in this unexplored uh, area where there's wild beasts and uh, and what everybody says are savage Indians. And I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to make some maps for the guy down the street. He he said he's going to pay me. I might be gone a couple of months. Okay, 
Make sure you stop in when you come back. Um, you never would you do that. <laughs> never would you do that. Uh, and yet, for some reason, we just look at our kids as their income poops, and they're not. <laughs> they're very, very smart. We just keep making them into kids. Maybe that's because of my generation. Because I was, I just completely blew off school. Really, I, I didn't oh, care I did why. It was that the same for you? For oh you? my gosh, yes. I didn't really start studying until I was in my thirties. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I read whatever I wanted to for entertainment, and I uh, skated through school. I was s- smart enough just to get through it and yep. get good grades. And, you know, there's always a fear of being caught that I hadn't really done the work. Uh, and until I start, until I was 30, when it started to matter, where I was like, I should know this. I, you know, I'm kind of a dummy. <laughs> uh, that you actually start applying yourself. And here are these kids now that, that are applying themselves you know when you're supposed to apply yourself they're going to be so far ahead will that put universities out of business you think one day yes oh yes because they literally are learning this on youtube universities it's over it's over it's only a matter of time the university system as we know it is over there will be those for doctors and other professions but not this mass thing like we have now glenn beck mercury 